Did you have a good weekend? No. <laughs> Why is that? No. I went to Ultranum. Oh, to of course. Watch, to watch Torquay get relegated. So. Oh, it's confirmed, is it? No, we need a ludicrous goal difference swing this weekend. Oh. But we've got champions Wrexham, who I'm sort of hoping will just be on the source all week and not really bothered and be happy to just roll over 4 0. Potentially. I think it's an eight goal swing. I haven't checked the maths completely. Yeah, so you're on minus so, 22. We are And bad. then Maidenhead are minus 15. It's not going to happen, though. Um, I think they've got Gateshead, who will be resting players, because they've got an FA Trophy final coming up. So let's. I, I don't want to talk about football. Although... No, not the wise, to be honest. I have to, say, I have to say, I did have at least three Arsenal fans messaging. One, one was my brother, so it doesn't really count. But at least three Arsenal fans messaging me after last week's podcast and said the first sentence that came out of your mouth was Arsenal are bottling it, aren't they? <laughs> it's all on, again, we've been saying it for ages, it's all on Wednesday. But I suppose they deserve some sort of credit for coming back with two minutes left to get a point. They have got some spirit, to be fair to them. So it's all on Wednesday. So we'll have to see what happens there. If we're going to win, it's going to be about 4-3 or 5-4 four, because we're leaking goals like a sieve at the minute. Siv's famous for leaking goals. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm pleased there's only six games left. I'm trying to take as much enjoyment out of it as possible because it's not it's been a while since Arsenal have been in a position like this. I mean, only Arsenal could make you feel bad about being five points clear at the top of the at the top of the Premier League. So I'm trying to take it, as much enjoyment out of it as possible because it's not been like this for a while. For people that might be listening after the Manchester City Arsenal game on Wednesday. <laughs> Commiserations to Arsenal or congratulations <laughs> to Arsenal. Yeah, it is make or break. If we win, if we win, I think the confidence from from a win would just take us to the title. I did get a lot of sacks fashion yesterday from Spurs, obviously being five nil down after twenty minutes. Apologies to any Spurs fans, but it doesn't matter how bad you're going. You can always sort of rely on Spurs to make you feel better, can't you? Definitely. I think any. I think every team sort of enjoys. Every team's fans sort of enjoy laughing at Tottenham. That's something everyone has in common, I believe. They had it so good with Poch and getting to the Champions mm, League final, right. and then they just done all these silly things and made all these silly decisions. And dearie right. me, anyway, hate football. Let's talk about golf. Yeah. Right, let's start at the first women's major of the year, the Chevron Championship. First of all, shout out to champion Lilia Vu, only player to have three rounds in the 60s at the Chevron, including a difficult Sunday where only her, Jin Young Ko and Georgia broke 70. I absolutely love her story. She was a decorated amateur. She won 10 times between 16 and 18. She turned pro and joined the LPGA where she had a miserable season. So check this out. Nine events, seven missed cuts, one withdrawal, one tie for 72nd, $4,000 banked. She dropped back to the Symmetra Tour, which is now, of course, the Epson Tour, the developmental tour. She was there for two years, worked her way back, had a far more successful year in 2022, including a first major top 10. Then she got her first win at the start of this season in Thailand. Now she's a major champion. It feels like a bit of a rags to riches tale. Certainly, um, especially it's come from a a, develop, a developmental tour. Um, That's a really been, hard word to say, isn't it? I stumbled yeah. over. 
um, for, 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 two, for during 2020 and 2021. So, uh, yeah, fantastic story for, for Lydia Vu in Texas. Um, I suppose, but based on her form this season, it, I think a, a sort of big performance in a, in a big event was coming. She won the Honda LPGA in Thailand in February. And surrounding that form, uh, surrounding that performance, was finishes for tied fourteenth, tied seventh, tied eleventh. It wasn't certainly on the cards at the start of the day, you could argue, because she was four shots behind, um, and arguably had a disappointing third round with seventy three. Uh, but incredible that shows in any in any major players coming from deep on the leaderboard just make things so much more exciting. Um, started four shots behind Alison Corpus and Angel Yin. And birding the last two holes, that is, you know, that is just so clutch, isn't it? To to set a clubhouse target, I think. So she set ten under, I think, and then Angel Yin had about four or five holes left. So she was a playoff was for me was I thought it was definitely on the cards. Not to say anything against Angel Yin, it's just that um, as a, as a as a major contender herself, she hadn't been in that situation many times before. Um, I believe she only had one top one top 20 since July 2021, I think. So she, it was very much uncharted territory for her. And she played brilliantly, Angel Yin, Angel Yin as well. She made two bogeys um, in the closing stretch. But then to make a really gutsy birdie at the end to, to force a playoff, I thought was massively impressive. It was massively impressive, massively impressive all round. It was such an exciting finish. And it looked like Lilia Vu had actually opened the door again in the playoff. Her, her third shot, from just off the green. I can't remember if she chipped it or passed it. I think she passed it. Um, just, it didn't sort of catch the slope on the way to the hole. And it looked like the door was open again for Angel Yin, but such a nerveless, nerveless putt. She said afterwards, um, which I found quite funny, she said over the putt, she said, I was nervous, I was scared, I was cold. <laughs> which is quite, a, <laughs> well, she went, quite she, an eerie she thing went, to say. She did that classic thing, didn't she, where she, she went to a wedge... And she was like, "I'm going to chip it." And then she went back to her putters, and I'm, like, oh, I'm going to putt mm. it. And it's, it's it's never good when you change your mind. I mean, we're talking about Angel Yin here as well. She is, I mean, she is knocking on the door at majors. She's had uh, a handful of of top tens now, including a couple of runner up finishes now in the last three or four years. She had a was it during the third round where she had that remarkable stroke of good fortune, didn't she? There was if if you didn't see it. She, she hit, was it the par three twelfth, I think, wasn't it? Mm. And she hit her tee shot, and it was in the water. Everyone thought it was was dead, and suddenly the ball just the ball literally hit water, and then just appeared up on the bank. Yeah, I mean, how did I mean the commentator said, "Oh, it must have hit a turtle." It obviously didn't hit a turtle, but <laughs> no. it, it must have just hit a rock or something that was just below the surface of the water. But you see that moment of uh, of good fortune, and you think. This has got to be her title mm. here. I mean, it was a. I mean, you can go. You can watch the the, the footage of that clip on nationalcupgolfer.com. Please just go and seek it out because it's yeah. it's just ridiculous. I I'd never seen anything like that. What I enjoyed as well um, of the coverage um, I watched yesterday. Um, a lot of the time, the camera was walking with with um, Angel Yin, and you could hear a lot of what she was saying to her caddy, which was really interesting. Talking about talking about her putting, about her club choices. Um, on the par three where she bogeyed, um, that was a really sort of pivotal moment, I think, because she was umming and ahhing about club choice. I think she changed from an eight iron to a seven iron. Um, she found she, she missed she missed the green in the end, um, but I enjoyed that part of it. She's a very vocal player, I think, 
Well, she came across it like that anyway. She wasn't shy about talking about her desire to get over the line in the major, was she? No, but she doesn't lose anything in defeat. I think obviously she'll she won't see it that way. I also thought if you if you're struggling with your putting or short range putting, long range putting, as I said I was in last week's podcast, but Callaway still haven't sorted me out yet. Um, but la- but last you can't throw last... shade at Callaway. <laughs> <you know? laughs> last night. I thought Angel Yin probably has the most positive, sort of aggressive putting stroke I've I've ever seen from a player. Um, really banging him in the in the back of the hole. It, it, even um, even the eagle putt on the last hole, you sort of felt she went for it in the last mm. hole of regulation. She sort of felt she went for it, and then the ne- the one coming back, um, she, she 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 poured in again. So I think to look at to look at a player like that who putts who putts so positively. Any player can take a leaf out of that book. You just shouldn't be worried about what's coming back. You should just be firm and you know aim to hit the back of the hole. And I thought I thought she she demonstrated that as, as well as, as well as our long game as well. Some of the drives, very aggressive drives, very positive positive play. And it's no surprise playing like that. There's no surprise how how, how well she finished. Um, it's just a shame for her that she couldn't quite she couldn't quite get over the line, but. It's a massive improvement. She's, I believe, she's made over only just over three grand this year. Not that that's any money to be sniffed at, but in terms of the climate golf's in, that's not a lot yeah, of, of money, is it? She's running at a loss if she's only won three grand this year. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, that... she's won more than that. I mean, how much does she just? She's just won nearly nearly half a million dollars for that. Yeah, so incredible. Probably, I thought. Did um, you see Alison Corpus's uh, approach into the last? That hmm. got stuck in the grandstand. Yeah, I thought it's, I can't. I can't get my head around this. I, I absolutely hate it. The drops that she's yeah. Well, at least she had her head screwed. They, they had this problem at Dinah Shore, and you can. I, I hate grandstanding so much. I've written about it before. I'm going to dig it out, but you can. <laughs> you, you can literally pump it into the grandstand. And then just the the drop zone was literally on the green. She was playing her third shot. She was hitting an eagle putt. She might have yeah. chipped, but you can literally hit an eagle putt from the fringe of the green, and that is your reward for just pumping one into the grandstand, which sits behind the behind the green. It it doesn't sit right with me at all. I, I, I don't blame her. The, on on that hole, there is no there is no excuses for going short, is there? Because you can just pump, especially on a par five, because you can pump one. Go in the grandstand. I'm just going. Well, I'm just going to stick it in the. I'm just going to stick it in the grandstand, yeah. and I'll have a nice little putt down the hill for for three. Yeah, if if you say if you're considering um, hitting a seven iron into that green, just say, well, I'll, I'll hit a five iron because at worst, if at worst, I'll just have a chip on onto the green. Um, as long as you don't AML the grandstand, of course. Um, which is why I think Athea Titicol would have been even more disappointed of her approach into the last because she really came up short. Needing a birdie, um, when she could have hit it thirty yards long and had a chip, a potential chip in for eagle, but an, an up and down for birdie. There aren't many things that make me irrationally cross about tour golf. That is one of them. I, I cannot get my head around how you just wouldn't be punished for something like that. And we're going to talk about uh, when you contrast that with how some players, and we will talk about this later. So stick around. <laughs> on the Corn Ferry Tour got punished for something, which we'll get to. When mm. you contrast the two things later on, when you've heard both stories, it just seems absolutely astonishing. I mean, this is this is a problem that's plagued men's and women's golf. I mean, I remember Tommy Fleetwood. I want to say 
uh, I want to say it was Sun City, the Ned Bank, and he pumped one into the grandstand and it massively benefited him. But just just don't put the grandstand that close to the green. It's not rocket science. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I don't know how much space they've got there, but you're in Texas. You've got plenty of space. Just put the grandstand somewhere else. And also, her ball got stuck in like the little sort of the cover. It was really the grand, strange, it? Yeah, just on the grandstand. So if it wasn't there, it would have gone about forty yards long. So yeah. technically, you should be punished for that. You should maybe the drop zone. It's hard. What to, it's hard to say what to do. It's hard to say what the solution would be other than just keep the drop zone. But she has to have a, add, a, add a penalty, surely. Yeah. Because if the grandstand wasn't there, which is on every course that mere mortals like us play, there's no grandstands, and our ball would have been airmailed forty yards long. So. It's one of them, isn't it? Completely agree. I think also we should just... I mean, we've mentioned Vu, Lin, uh, Yin, sorry, Attire Thitical. You've mentioned Corpus there. Jin Young Ko was up there. Georgia Hall was up there. Another top three for Nelly Corder. I mean, one player I'll never tire of watching. That absolutely delicious swing. She now has nine top tens in majors, including five top threes, one of which was a win. Couldn't really get it going on the final day at the Chevron, mm. but it sort of feels like we're edging closer to something else. She's pro- perhaps one major win away from just opening the the floodgates, as it were. And you wouldn't back, bank against her getting five or six, really, would you? But it feels to me like the LPGA is in the best shape it's been in for years, if not ever. Well, that was just so exciting. Called a absolutely boxing the eagle putt. On the last hole, she's, in her six events this year, she's had five top six finishes. So she's just absolutely goes without saying that she's outstanding. So with the with the women's US Open coming up at Pebble Beach in July, I mean, what an exciting prospect that is to see the best women's players take on that course. And then we've got Bolter's Roll in June, which is which is obviously another um, another massively um, famous course hosted many men's majors. The Evian at the end of July, and then Walton Heath in August. So we've got a massively exciting year ahead. And these majors, you like to see packed leaderboards of quality. And last night was was no exception. It was nice to see a new a new um, major major winner. I like I like to see that in any in any tournament. I think I think we'd like to see maybe new major winners um, just for a bit of variety, rather than sort of other players maybe maybe building their way up the, the, the major leaderboards. But yeah, you could argue that was coming from that was coming from um, Lilia Vuce, a massively impressive season, and I'm sure she'll feature in those tournaments that I've just listed. If you won a tournament, would you jump in the water like Lilia Vu? Uh, probably not in Texas. No, <laughs> no. She said I mean, the, she said it, the players. Thitical, for example, was wearing a coat the whole the whole round, and she was only taking it off to play her shots. There's some wonderful <laughs> wonderful images of her caddy just with this thick black um, like it was almost like a puffer jacket, just like over his yeah. arm. I wouldn't be jumping in that water. No, no. She even said um, on a previous round on seventeen, she saw a snake in the water. If I saw a snake in there, they could double the prize <laughs> pot for me jumping yeah. in. I wouldn't jump yeah. in. I'd be like, nope. I'll just take the uh, whatever it was, seven hundred and fifty grand, please. Yeah, I'm just about happy enough to walk on the same ground as snakes, let alone <laughs> jump, jump into a pool of them. It's one of the big reasons I haven't moved to Australia, that's for sure. <laughs> um, well, seeing as you just threw a little bit of shade at Callaway, we should probably just spin that <laughs> round. Our friends of Callaway, who make the slam happen, 
The Paradigm driver was the number one driver at the Chevron Championship. And as we said last week, the we are in Odyssey season now. It's the number one putter on tour. So if you're getting fit for some new kit for the new season, check out the Paradigm range. I've tried it. I love it. You've tried it. You love it. Just haven't got it in our hands yet. So should we just, we're, we're just going to keep calling them out. We Callaway, we love you. Get some kit in our hands. Start becoming right, concerning because yeah. it might suggest I don't listen to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone? Right, let's let's move on to this this Corn Ferry tour story. So I'm just gonna for, for those that didn't read it, you can you can read it on nationalclubgolfer.com, but we'll just go through it very briefly here. So several players were caught up in a in a rather strange rules kerfuffle at the uh, LECOM Suncoast Classic. I don't know if they call that LACOM, maybe they do. Mm. So having started their second round on the back nine, we're going to focus on this one particular group because there were a couple of groups that got caught up in this. So Wilson Fur, Alejandro Tosti and Mason Anderson, they'd started their second uh, their second round on the back nine. They got to the 18th hole, which was their ninth at Lakewood National. And they saw a volunteer sat there in a cart marked shuttle, had a little sign on it, said shuttle on it just behind the green. The driver offered them a ride up to the first, which would have been their 10th, as well as their caddies. They all hopped on and headed up there. Now, a while later, they're on the fourth hole. A Corn Ferry Tour official approached the group and assessed each player a two-shot penalty. Obviously, they all protested their innocence. Uh, Transport between holes isn't allowed at Corn Ferry Tour events unless it's stated in the player's information pack. Just before I carry on, we should probably give a shout out to Ryan French of the brilliant Monday Q Info website who digs out these stories and and brings them to us. So huge shout out to him. So they were told of their two-shot penalty. Obviously, none of them were happy. Sorry, obviously, none of them were happy. Anderson dropped down to a 77. Tosti dropped... Apologies if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Tosti dropped out of the top 25. But it was Fur who was perhaps affected the most. He told Ryan French that the decision cost me my job, which is quite strong. Mm. Now, this for me feels like just, I, I mean, again, I, we, we talked about the fact that at the LPGA and, uh, sorry, at the Chevron Championship and other tour events, you can pump one into a grandstand and you're rewarded with zero penalty and a nice little drop zone, which is right by the green. And then you get this on the Corn Ferry Tour where and, and other events where a volunteer who was just sat there, the only reason why they were sat there is because they happened to be driving past. They just shut off their engine because obviously those gas-powered carts are quite uh, quite loud, aren't they? So yeah. he just shut off the cart and he said, oh, do you want to ride? He didn't know the rules, took them up there. And obviously you could argue that, yeah, the player should have said, no, we're not allowed to take a cart. But, you know, this wasn't, you know, it wasn't a member sitting there. It wasn't anything mm. like that. It was a volunteer who had shuttle written on his cart. And this, for me, just feels like one of those things where perhaps there just needs to be a bit more common sense. You you could probably argue that they've been unfairly punished there with two-shot penalty for something which, have they really gained an advantage other than just not having to walk the however many steps it was from the 18th green to the first tee? No, I've seen a few tweets saying... Um... Golf is this is where golf lets itself down, and I, and I do actually I, I do really agree with that because people who are maybe getting into golf 
would read this story and think, well, what is this all about? They've taken a cart, a shuttle cart, to the next hole and they've been given a two-shot penalty for it. If you're a casual golf fan, someone who goes to the range or he's thinking about getting a membership and you read this, you, you would think, God, like, do I want to get into this? I mean, I suppose Devil's Advocate would say that our, when, when are rules not rules? If, if the rules are you're not allowed to take transport during your rounds unless it's stated in the player's information packet. I don't know how... We don't know how universally accepted that rule is on the Corn Ferry Tour. Do they all turn up knowing it's ingrained that you can't take any transportation on the golf course? Sounds like a bit of a, a, a pernickety rule to have ingrained in your mind. Um, and then they take the shuttle cart, obviously not gaining... That is not gaining any advantage whatsoever. And I think <clears throat> if they were if they were the only group to have taken that shuttle cart, and then one of them had won it by one shot. I don't think the second place player would have been saying, oh, this is a disgrace. They took a shuttle cart, take off two shots. I don't think anyone would care. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I sort of first read this story the, when it went as reported from is, Ryan French. The stupid thing is, is they probably got to the first tee and then they probably had to wait four or five minutes to hit their shots anyway because the group had probably yeah. still halfway down the yeah. fairway. Yeah. Um now this is but, this is a discussion that has torn the NCG team apart. We've if you've been listening to the from the Clubhouse podcast with Steve Carroll and Tom Irwin, you will know that rules are quite a big thing there. Steve has written a piece recently for us saying, "Well, rules are rules," and he's absolutely right. If yeah. if this is, the punishment dished out was correct because they broke a rule, they weren't allowed to do it, and the officials' hands are tied. They're, they're saying, yeah, okay, it, perhaps it doesn't make sense and perhaps you're not gaining a, an advantage, which, of course, any reasonable person would argue that they're not gaining an advantage from that. But they broke the rules. And if you break the rules, however dumb or lacking in common sense you think they are, you broke the rules, you mm. pay the penalty for that. But I, I, I can't get my head around that a golfer's career could potentially be hampered by something as ludicrous as just taking a shuttle cart 150 yards. No, if it was me, I don't know how I'd react. I'd, I don't know how, I don't know how they played on to be honest after that. I think they got to the, they teed off on the fourth hole, which was their 13th hole. And then they were then told that they were getting two shot penalties. And then they asked to play another, that hole and then another five holes. I don't know how they played on. I, I, I'd have been God. I've been absolutely steam out my nose. Um, but the, the, another part of the story was a player called Jared Wolf, who also took a shuttle bus, shuttle cart, um, at another part of the course. And he read this story when it first came out and rang the tour and imposed a two-shot penalty on himself, which is absolutely oh, so he, he, he admirable. He read Brian French's article yeah. on the Q-Info. Okay, cool. Yeah, and... Um, he called the tour and called a two-shot penalty on himself, which is absolutely unbelievable behaviour, isn't it? I mean, who would do that? I don't think... I think I'd just sort of... Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? It's a fair play to him. That's quite a claim. But... <laughs> Wait, if you if you read this article... So, you, are you suggesting that if you read the article... Sorry, I'm going to have to go down this rabbit hole. So, if you read the article and saw that players had been punished with a two-shot penalty for something that you knew you had done you would be able to just turn up and play the next day 
without having that. No, no, I think I would do the same. But I don't. I I think there's a lot of people. I think if if a lot of people were honest with themselves, I don't think they would. I think if I I think that's true. I think I would because I I feel too guilty without doubt. I think I was without doubt. But I reckon I reckon it would surprise you about people that wouldn't do that. I reckon, especially with their livelihood supposedly on the line as well. I can't bring myself to do it. I don't. It's not. No, I wouldn't. I don't think it's necessarily. (laughs) I don't think it's necessarily an honor thing or a or a anything like that with me I just I don't know I just I feel like if I did something like that or even you know something tiny like when you're in the rough and you just you know no one's looking and you give yourself a little bit of a, a nicer lie while you're in the rough and you oh wait, I, that's I, obviously I even bring my, like you sort of think oh everyone does it but then I just sort of think <laughs> I, if I do that I know full well that that shot is just going to be shanked or topped or whatever and then I just kind of go yep deserve that that was because yeah. that was because it was in your brain that you had done something you knew you shouldn't have done, and you've just shanked it out of bounds, and now you're going to be hit with a worse penalty. Mm. No, to be clear, I, I would call it upon myself. However, I just think a lot of players wouldn't, especially with their livelihood supposedly at stake uh, overnight. Say, if you've got you, you're in you're in you're in in contention at the tournament, two shot penalty would massively hinder you. Um, I just think it would be it, it would be interesting to see how many players would actually come forward. But I really, I really thought that's something you never you, know. I really thought I had you there, like basically admitting <laughs> that you would cheat. I said it at the top of the segment. It's golf shooting itself in the foot. No one will feel worse than that volunteer who obviously didn't know the rules, just very innocently mm. and very politely offered them a offered them a ride, and. These tournaments absolutely cannot happen without the help. I mean, even the Masters and the Open, run by organisations who have millions of dollars and pounds in the Mm. bank, still rely on a huge team of volunteers. So absolutely, we should not be going after the volunteer. No no blame lies with them whatsoever. Like I say, as Steve would tell us, rules are rules and those are the rules. I just wonder, because there are some golf rules that are ingrained such as I don't know, taking unplayables, um, the way you mark your ball, taking drops out of hazards. There are some rules that are ingrained. I just don't know um, how universally ingrained the this transport, on-course transport rule is for Corn Ferry Tour players. It might be that that's common knowledge, that you can't take shuttles on the course unless stated. It might be common knowledge that you can't do that, but I suspect it's not, otherwise they wouldn't have done it, if you know what I mean. I feel like I remember a story like this before, and it might have been in an amateur event where a player, I, I want to say they, I'll, I'll find out for next week's podcast, but I, I want to say they were in, they were at the green and they needed to go to the loo. So they got a shuttle, a, a little cart next to the green and said, can you please mm. take me to the toilet? And then they took them there and then they went to the toilet and then they came back and then carried right. on with their round. And then they got hit with the penalty. I'll, I'll dig that story out. I think also we should probably just say that actually, it's astounding that three players and three caddies, not one of them went, guys, this actually isn't allowed. We exactly. I can understand that their judgment was clouded because they came off the green and it was an official Corn Ferry Tour sh- shuttle marked cart. Now, I get that. But one of those six should have said, guys, we're not allowed to do this. Yeah. So, Which makes me cool. think that rule is not universally acknowledged. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So therefore, it's an innocent mistake to make. Well, Wilson first said, didn't he? Like, it wasn't like it was a member's car. Like, it said shuttle on it. Anyway, this feels like a really good place to just shout out for the From the Clubhouse podcast because I have it on good authority that 
Tom and Steve are discussing cheating this week. So if you, I, I don't know where it's going to go, but <laughs> having listened to the From the Clubhouse podcast before, it could get quite tasty. It's on not one to be missed, I don't think. Such an incredibly divisive subject. So yeah, listen out for that. Right, let's let's move on to Live Golf because it was a huge event down in Adelaide this week. Didn't watch a lot of it because obviously it was in the middle of the night, but made sure it, this is the first one where I've actually gone to check out like the highlights mm. and what's going on. And I have to say, it looks really rather excellent. That was like the poshest way I could have said that. <laughs> it looked bloody good fun. <laughs> looks ruddy, ruddy marvelous. No, so the, I mean, this is what happens, really. Is so if you didn't see it, like the the crowds were incredible. Uh, mm. Brilliant. Still can't I can't really get on board with the tossing beer everywhere. I, I hate it when they do it in football, like that forced celebrating in you know box park yeah. and stuff like that, where they're chucking your pints in the air when England score. Yeah, um, can't really get on board with that. Even at the Ryder Cup, when they're linging the beers on the on the tee and stuff like that, it feels a bit forced, a bit silly, a bit unnecessary. Same with uh, Scottsdale, of course, at the 16th for the Phoenix Open. But this is just what happens when you take. Some of the best players in the world, and you give the let's let's talk about this first. We should probably just say, let's talk about this and take all the context of live golf and the Saudi regime and sports washing and take all of that out of this, and just talk about it as a golf event in a, a, a mm. part of the world where they clearly want big golf events. I mean, I saw some a lot of tweets from Australians over the weekend saying, "This is what happens when you give us good players and good and a good tour event." Because they are starved of it. I mean, Australia is a fantastic place. got some of the best golf courses in the world. And whenever they do take the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour goes down there and they do co-sanctioned events with the PGA Tour of Australia. It's absolutely fantastic to watch. It's brilliant. And the, the Australian yeah. sports fans are second, like second probably only to New York golf fans for these things. It's absolutely fantastic to watch. And it was so good to see those crowds and genuinely really enjoying themselves and... Yeah, had you had the DJ set in the evening where everyone was out just yeah. getting lashed up and dancing and singing, and you had Cam Smith coming out and I don't know what the drinking the beer out of the shoes all of our yeah. absolutely disgusting. I don't know why they're doing that, but it's obviously maybe it's a thing in Australia. I don't know. Maybe it's a live golf mm. thing. <laughs> Pass. Don't care. Not getting involved in it. No. But it just as a, as a general spectacle, thought it was really good fun. Chase Kepka had that hole in one. Obviously, everyone went absolutely mental. Just how much of it did you see? What did you think? Um, well, again, I didn't see much of it because it was on in the middle of the night. Um, I saw bits and pieces. Mostly it was just, just clips and things. Zones. Yeah. Um, mostly it was, just, it was just clips and things. But I saw enough. Um, and I, 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 I don't be boring, but I, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it, for, for the purpose that Liv serves and for that event that serves, it, it, it looks absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, the big DJ set in the evening. Um, so many people there. And it... it for, for ages, I've read tweets and stories about how Australia hasn't had any PJ Tour events for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what the reasons are. Um, maybe they're, maybe it's just some sort of administrative thing that gets kept kept secret from us. But it it proves that they have been staffed and they do want it because the the um the crowds are just incredible. Um, I saw one tweet. It was a picture of it was the last group. And it said these people are watching Pat Perez play, and they were watching the last. They were watching, you know, 
there was one hole left and it was coming towards the end. But there was just crowds and crowds of people um, lining down the fairways. Um, and you can't really get away from the fact of how good the event was. I don't really, I've, I'm not a massive fan really of the 16 foot Scottsdale, to be honest. I know that sounds like a bit of a boring thing to say, but. Wow. Another revelation. I, I do like. I do I'd like, call you out on it, but you'll probably just backtrack. <laughs> I do like the stadium, and I do like the atmosphere. It's it is the alcohol thing that I don't really like. Um, I probably sounds I sound so boring, but like the Harry Higgs and Joel Damon stuff that was funny, but it's not really like it's not really <laughs> appropriate for a golf course, is it? With all the beer cans everywhere, and that's what I sort of thought for the Chase Kepka um, holding one, but. That is what Liv is, and that's what the stadium hole at the 16th in Scottsdale is. It serves that purpose of being raucous and like a really almost almost animosity in the atmosphere. Um, and, that, and that's what it was. It, it, it looked a brilliant event that um, I, I would probably enjoy going to. Um, in terms of golf being in Australia, I, I, I quite, I'd, I'd love it if there were two or three Liv events in Australia. I don't see. I don't see why not. If if I could choose like five courses to play in one week, or if you had to choose a country to go and play golf all week in, I think I would probably choose Australia, just because of well, I could be here all day talking about um, the quality of golf courses there, and we don't see them often enough. We we see we saw a couple in November, I think, when Cam Smith won and Adrian Moronk won. But we don't. It doesn't need me to say that we don't see it often enough. Um, I think when it, you look at all it was the, an embodiment of live that event. It was the embodiment of what they want to achieve, and yeah, it, it, it was really, really good. I think uh, when you look at all the, I don't want to say boring or dull or anything like that, but you look at some stretches on the PGA Tour and you just think, or maybe even like the the the, the full series, like you could have three weeks down in Australia. And they'd absolutely yeah. love it. Like, I don't know, October, November time. or And they would absolutely love it. I mean, this is where the PGA Tour falls down for me because the European Tour has proved over the years that if you try different formats, it works. And mm. we'll come back to that in a minute when there's some stuff, um, a little bit of a Twitter spat that went on. But the PGA Tour have proven over the years with the, with the 16th at Scottsdale that there is a desire for this kind of... Uh, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like lads golf, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, football fans watching golf. We have this idea in our head that golf fans should be really polite and they should just clap everything that hits the green and everyone should be really respectful of the players. Mm. But there is obviously a desire for these tournaments where they are a bit more raucous. The players are having a bit more fun. I mean, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all that lot, they're saying, not going to live got my principles, absolutely fine. My my life is on the PGA Tour. But you are you can't tell me that those guys aren't watching what's going on down in Adelaide this weekend and going, that looks really good fun. Like, I'm not saying they're going to go to live mm. as a result of that. But what I'm saying is, there is there is obviously a market. And maybe that's what the, the Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy thing will be, which is starting next year, isn't it? Mm. What's it called? Remind me what it's called, sorry. TGL. So... Maybe that's what that will be. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be linging bud lights on the uh, mm. on the on the on the course, but there is obviously a desire for that. There is, and if I was a player, I'd be thinking, do you know what? 
it's almost like friendly matches in football, isn't it? It's almost like, do you know what? It's the postseason. Let's go down to Australia and have three weeks of fun. I just have like, yeah. like have some fans going crazy. Let's go to New York. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go to Seattle. Let's go to Philadelphia. Let's go to these cities around. Or let's go to um, you know t- towns around. Go to places in England. Let's go. You know they they came they come over to London. The crowds were good for that. Would it be interesting to see what it's like this year? But there are ob- there were plenty of places around the world where you could have these golf tournaments, which are generally just designed to be really good fun. You put a bit of money online. And let the players at it. Let the fans just be sports fans. Yeah, no, certainly a good point. There's no way people at McElroy don't watch that and think that that is actually really, really good. Um, to be fair, that but that crowd turnout and that event doesn't represent what Liv has been so far, though, which I found quite frustrating on Twitter. Some people were tweeting saying, look, look at these crowds. Oh, no one watches Liv. Well, in general, no one does watch Live. Well, yeah. It's just a, it's just a fact that that event was specifically feeding a demographic that really wanted to watch professional golf yeah. in the, in their local area. So that doesn't this event doesn't represent Live. It represents what it could be. Um, but for example, in Singapore next week, it's not going to be the same, is it? No. Well, so no, that's. You, you, you think not, and to be fair, with, with events that are in those sort of far-reaching countries, um, I don't think I don't think the crowds are particularly that good anyway. Um, that will be interesting but, to see, actually, won't it? Yeah, yeah, it will be. And th- this week was exactly what Liv would need. It delivered in a week where the PJ Tour was quiet, um, where the PJ Tour had a bit of a week off after the Masters and the Heritage, and the perfect plan in in that, in, in that respect. And it was a bit. It was a good advert, and we haven't even mentioned who won. Taylor Gooch won, although he struck, though he sort of limped over the line with a, a worse a third round than his two first rounds. You know, two sixty twos. <laughs> that is brilliant. Like, like, good golf is good golf, isn't it? You know, if 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 Gooch, if if he was to shoot sixty twos again and again and again, he would have to be in the thoughts of. Um, Zach Johnson for the Ryder Cup team because good golf is good golf, isn't it? Yeah, but if you're doing it against, it, dep- it sort of depends who you're doing it against, really, doesn't it? I suppose so. But even if you, if he, I mean, if he's, he's going to show up, and if he, we've said this before, if a player, if a live player is going to win week in week out, then absolutely they should be in this. this mm. I mean, you and I are both of this of the opinion that the Ryder Cup should be the best twelve Americans versus the best twelve Europeans, regardless of where they're playing. And if Zach Johnson thinks that Taylor, Gooch, I mean, first of all. Taylor Gooch absolutely proving Dustin Johnson wrong for ditching him from his four aces team. Isn't yeah, he? I bet he's but he's having sleepless right. nights, his DJ. Let's just talk about that little spat on Twitter because it was quite funny, wasn't it? So obviously, yeah. uh, so someone tagged, so someone called R Mitchell posted the video of Chase Kepka's hole in one, tagged Eddie Pepper in. And then Eddie Pepperell chatted about it a little bit. Again, you can find this and you can see the clip. You can see all these tweets on nationalclubgolfer.com. And Richard Bland, who, of course, DP World Tour player for many years, defected to live. And he was the one, he was one of very few players who everyone went, yeah, fair enough. He's been offered millions to go to live. Like, you would absolutely do it. He's been, you know, slogging around on European tour for a quarter of a century or so. Absolutely fair enough. He said, Ed, as in Eddie Pepperell, 
tell me where on the DP World Tour there's a hole like this, because in 22 years of playing the tour, I can't think of any. Maybe in your 15 minutes on tour, you know different. I mean, it's a bit bitchy, isn't it? Why? I mean, I, I it was it was unexpected. I think we don't we we sort of mm. had this vision of of Bland being this kind of very polite Middle England gentleman. <laughs> To then yeah. just kind of go after Pepperell like that, and then Pepperell pretty patronising. Yeah, he is patronising, and Pepperell with his classic razor sharp where to start. And then he said, "In my 15 minutes, I won more events than you did in your 22 years." And then he listed a, a handful of times that the DP World Tour has gone, or the European Tour has gone above and beyond to to have some cool stuff like this. Mm. And he sort of went back and forth a little bit, and then Pep, uh, Blandy's actually come out just this morning, Monday morning, and, and apologised, doesn't he, and said he was on the source when he when he, mm. uh, when it happened. I don't know if he was on the source from... Not that that's an excuse. No, of course it's not an excuse. Um, but it's sort of indicative of this strange kind of relationship now that's between the live players and the and people who genuinely were their friends. And that's, that's what makes it a bit of a concern for me with the Ryder Cup. And obviously we saw this at the Masters, didn't we? Like all the players went, like, I don't know what you're talking about. McElroy said, well, me and me and Brooksy hang out all the time in Jupiter, mm. so I don't know what you're going on about. But you do worry about if these guys... I mean, look, I'm going to put my neck on the line here and say that Richard Bland is not making the Ryder Cup team. I mean, that is my reputation down the drain, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but if you've got these live guys coming coming back and playing Ryder Cup alongside all these players who play for a tour which the live guys have not only sued but slagged off to high heaven, that's where my concern lies, I think. Yeah, and I noticed another tweet actually from a four-time DP World Tour winner, Dave, David Horsey, that got a bit of traction as well. He said, I have no issue with players choosing to go to play live, but I do have an issue with defamation and disrespecting of the tours and players that gave them a platform to create their brand in the first place and yeah. then think it's just fine to come back and play when it suits. So that basically must be a little a little reply to, an indirect reply to Richard Bland's point. Um well, we've said this from the start, haven't we? This is this is the frustrating thing about Westwood mm. and Portsmouth and all that lot. You're thinking, well, hang on a second. You wouldn't be who you were if it wasn't for the European Tour or the PGA Tour. So just yeah. have a little bit of respect. Well, I don't... Well, we, we, we're like a bit of a... Repeating ourselves a bit here, but I don't, if, if they've chosen to play live, why do they want to play on the PGA... Uh, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour? Why do they want to? That They've yeah. chosen to play live... That's 14 events a year. They're getting paid heinous amounts of money. Why do they want to play more golf and subsidise their schedule? But this is, they've this is said probably... they want to play less and see their families. So why do they? Why are they bothered? Well, it, this is please it. like. If I was them, I'd be like, fine. I don't care. I'm suspended. I don't want to play here anyway. Uh, so this is to, what we've talked about. This, before. Is, this is probably a discussion for another podcast, and you'll have to forgive. Yeah. Me. I've forgotten the guy's name, but there was one lower-ranking live player who said that he's generally feeling a bit regretful because, hang on a second, I'm, I only get to play 14 times this year. Mm. Now, the guys who are top of the ladder, the Kepkas and the DJs of the world, will be playing in all the majors. So by the time they've played all the majors and the live events they're contracted to play in, they've played 18 events over the course of the year and they're probably happy with that. And these are the guys who set, who went there citing that they want to play less. Look, they can say whatever they want, but whether or not they generally do want to play less or not is, is you know, only they know. But then that this is Liv's problem. At the other end of the scale, you have got these guys who are saying, I want to play more. I need to make more money. Mm. So 
again, like I said, it's probably a discussion for another podcast. But it's it's, it's not it's not as rosy as certainly as Greg Norman will make it sound like it is. No, especially with sort of murmurs that Kepka and Smith aren't exactly happy. Um, well, might not be happy with their decisions to be there. These Twitter exchanges, I find so sort of tiresome. Um, it's indicative of the world we live in now, though, isn't it? Like with the the way that politics. Yeah, well, yeah, just faceless accounts on, on on social media. Yeah, it's just grown into golf, and it's grown into def- defenders of live golf. There's just no need for it, and I think yeah, it's basically I, Brexit for golf, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just this idea of these things taking place on 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 social media that I find so that I find so frustrating because in real life. In real life, although we have just said there is there are a few genuine spats and public and public hostility, in real life, this doesn't happen. Yeah, completely agree. It's it's strange, and hopefully, I, I I've sort of learned to block it all out. To be honest with you, mm. or literally block it in terms of Twitter. And you sort of pick and choose on Twitter which ones are real and which ones are fake, and then yeah, you know, hopefully block them so you don't see any of these any sort of trolls or bots because it just as is with politics, and it's the same with live golf. The people who are shouting the most about it being divisive and how we're all making it divisive and we're dividing the golf world are the ones that are doing the dividing. Mm. That's, for me, the most frustrating thing. That got quite deep after what was actually quite a funny... Um, I did, yeah. Sorts. But I think we'll just... We'll, we will finish there. We've been rambling on for ages, but we will just give one shout-out quickly because we're talking about Eddie Pepperell and he has just taken on... NCG's Hannah Holden in a what is a new series called Challenge Hannah at Frilford Heath. So, can Hannah Holden beat DP World Tour winner Eddie Pepperell? Mm. I don't know because I'm only halfway through the video. I started watching it and I six minutes in, and they're on the fourth hole, I think. And mm. then you I'll do that the answer because I have this podcast, it, so, I so you spoiled it for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> kick back now and I'm gonna watch the last six minutes with a cup of tea and see if Hannah can beat her. That is on NCG's YouTube channel. It's also on nationalclubgolfer.com. All right, Matt, appreciate that. What's going on this week? What's happening? Who's playing? Anything good? It's the Mexican Open, or the Mexico Open. Uh, John Rahm won last year, so he's back. Um, Yeah, I had a quick flick through the fields earlier um, on... Is he allowed to take his green jacket? He he was talking about the rules of that, wasn't he? I know. I know. To be fair, although he said a few things that we, we didn't know... They're quite easy to quite easy to believe, aren't they? You know, I'm mm. sure. I'm sure, I, I can definitely see him having to ring up Augusta every time he wants to take it somewhere. The alcohol thing was quite interesting. Um, yeah, he's not allowed to be seen wearing the jacket while holding yeah. an alcoholic container or, or whatever. Which I suppose is fair enough. Maybe no, so, so maybe he won't have it this week. But Tony Finau is also playing this week. I think he played in the Mexico Open last year um, when Ram won by a by a shot or two. Yeah. So. Maybe a bit more of an exciting week coming up than than maybe just, previously expected. And then there's I'm just all about I'm just all about the PGA now, mate. I'm just all about PGA and the Jordan Speed Grand Slam. <laughs> so let's uh, let's just yeah. look forward to that. I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about John Rahm, Callaway player next week. Yeah, Cheers, I'm sure we will.